Welcome to the Real Rescue Podcast, brought to you by Vertical Helicast. This episode of the Real Rescue is being sponsored by Breeze Eastern. They dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Welcome back. The through flight is done. We are fueled up and ready to go for part two. So let's launch it. Yeah, God, they're just they're they're, they're yeah. coming back to me, man. This is this is interesting. That's what happens. People come on yeah. here and all of a sudden, man, I there was this one time, and then they just keep going. And I I just listen because I freaking love them. So yeah, so the um the the news story that I was involved in, that our crew was involved in, that went the Associated Press picked it up and it went international. Um, it was a rainy day in the basin. And a lot of times when it when it's raining hard, the clouds will just hang on the mountains. So we we can't fly in the mountains. If we get a call up there, we'll we'll try to fight our way up to the canyons if we can do safely. Um, but a lot of times we end up staged in East LA at the our main SEB headquarters. And a call came out of there were a couple people trapped on an island on some kind of structure. And uh, it was on the San Gabriel River, which was, you know, gets engorged with with the rain. And it was they were trying to do a swift water rescue. County Fire couldn't get to them. Um, the east their east end helicopter couldn't get there because of the clouds. And we made the decision to try to get out there if we could. Um, so we're flying very low over, you know, East LA and Whittier, all these you know towns, um, just taking clear pocket to clear pocket. And we get to the call, and I mean, there's you know fire trucks everywhere, and there's an island that's being flooded, and there's this two-story structure that um, that some homeless people have created. And I mean, it's actually genius. They would take a little boat to their little safe structure and uh there was two women there and they were trapped and basically surrounded by rapids and they were on the second story of this little structure so um i was a rear medic and um again the situation where there were wires it was a really low hoist um i get over i go down first female i get her in the horse collar get her up the helicopter. I go down for the second and the lady says that she's not leaving without her dogs. And I look and she has probably a three foot by three foot box, um, three adult Chihuahua mixes and like five little puppies, like little puppies. Oh God. She's, she's refusing to leave. And um, I'm like, okay, look, I promise I'll get the dogs, I promise. She says, okay. So we get up, I get up to the helicopter with her and then the crew's getting ready to take everyone to shore. And I'm like, hang on. And I was working with a guy, uh, my front medic was Tracy Ryber. And I'm like, Tracy, grab your SWAT stuff. And we would keep our SWAT stuff in the helicopter in these big nylon bags. Emptied out of SWAT stuff. And I told him what was up. And I went down. One of the adult dogs took off. Still hope he made it, I don't know. But I grabbed the other two adult dogs, the five puppies. I put them in this bag. Of course, there's there's news cameras watching this, and we were 
after the fact, we were listening to you know the experts' commentary on what we were doing, and they were just making stuff up. They had no idea what was going on. So we, I get the puppies up in the helicopter. We land. Um, helicopter shuts down, and I have this you know this bag of little puppies, and I tell the gal, uh, I said the one dog ran off. I go, but I have the other two and the five puppies. And she looks at me and she says, five puppies. There's six. So I gather the crew up, and the weather's getting a little worse. And I go, hey, um, there's one more puppy, apparently. Are you guys okay doing one more evolution? And uh, the PIC was a pilot named Mike Granick, and he's our most senior pilot, fantastic pilot. Again, I can't talk enough about those guys. And he was like, yeah, yeah, we're. We're good. So we we go out, and I I go down there and I dig through the box and sure as heck under the blanket was this little puppy. Put him in the bag, get him up. We land, you know. We take pictures with the puppies. By the time we get back to our headquarters, our captain at the time, who's a guy that loves our social media stuff, I mean, he's done a tremendous amount for the bureau, is like, uh, hey, hey, you guys, uh, news vans are coming. Stay on the pad. And and they do this this multi-station story about saving puppies, and no one even mentions the two women. And and quite frankly, people could care less. But the fact that we rescued these puppies, I mean, story went international. Um, I remember being interviewed on the phone. This woman from the Associated Press. And she's, you know, asking me, and there's really not much to say about this call. We grab some puppies, you know, and, and she's asking, well, were the puppies cute? And I was like, God, ma'am, you know, I, I work with a SWAT team. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that the puppies were cute and have that end up in an article or something. They're, they were puppies, you know, do the math. But it, it was funny. Of course they were I, cute. What are you thinking? And, and <laughs> like, if you Google my name, you will still find pictures of that, of me holding, the, particularly that one, the one little last dog, the little, little William Defoe from Platoon as the helicopter's leaving him. He was probably looking up at us. And um, Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Yeah, but any time we've had animal calls, those always blow up on the news. It's, it's, uh, it's funny. You can save people's lives and... People really don't care, but if you have footage of, you know, saving a saving an animal or something, it's uh, that's going to go around the world. Oh yeah, mind blowing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's awesome. Oh man, I'm glad you shared it. Good. All right, now, this is like therapy for me. When you this is, oh, I'm in, dude. This is. Uh, you know what? Does the color yellow make you feel bad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no i'm 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 not in love with my mom i yeah um so uh there's there's a few you know frequent fire look flyer locations we have in the mountains where we'll get repeated calls um and there's um there's this place called hermit falls and it's actually part of Chantry Flats, where we had that one story I talked about earlier. And it's a kind of a swimming hole. It's really close to the city. So um, you get a lot of people jumping off the rocks into different levels of water, depending on the time of year and conditions. And I mean, we would, it's actually just been, there was a major fire in those mountains probably a couple of years ago now. So that, that trail's been closed. But prior to that, we, we, we would average like at least one death a year and then just a bunch of accidents. You know, people go there, they drink and smoke and then start jumping off the rocks. Um, but we know, like, we know this canyon very well and we know when we go there exactly where that bird is going to be positioned because there's really only one place to to pick up patients from because it's, because it's so tight. And I was working... Um, the primary medic this day was a guy named Dave Carver. Um, great guy, great medic. Um, 
and it was an unknown injury. And there's basically there's the swimming hole, and then there's this chute that has kind of a ledge. It goes up 20 feet, has a ledge, goes up 20 feet to a tree. And then there's this, depending on the year and who does it, there's usually some form of rope that goes down that 40 foot chute and people will jump in and then climb up that rope. And I mean, there's knots in it. I mean, it looks just, just hairy. So unknown injury, Dave gets dropped off, calls me down, asks for some tools, rope bag, backboard. Um, and I'm trying to figure out what we have going on. And it was a like 18, 19 year old girl, probably one of the toughest patients I've ever seen. She was at the top of the chute on the rope, lost grip of the rope, slid down, hit that ledge, and both of her both of her feet went out and she ended up with bilateral open dislocation of essentially her tip. So like her bone is sticking out of her ankle where her feet should be. Um, Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was gnarly. I mean, not, not life threatening because she wasn't losing a massive amount of blood, but it was one of those um, situations where, like I said earlier, you know, the helicopter isn't a hammer and every call is not a nail. There was no way based on the trees and where she was, there was no way to get her out from that position using the helicopter. So we had to rigor on the backboard. Dave was dealing, doing more of the patient care. I went above to the tree, built a quick lowering system. We were able to lower her down and then get her out to that rock, essentially in the middle of the water and then um, phantom litter or Bowman bag her up. I don't remember which one, but I mean, the amazing thing was this girl was again, 18, 19 and as tough as they've come. And I mean, I've had guys on motorcycles with almost no injuries. It were just, you know, colossal wussies. Um, <laughs> but just one of those calls for me that, and I would always go over this with, you know, new guys it just illustrated the need to keep all those skills up. The ones I talked about, you know, I mean, the diving, the shooting, the helicopter stuff, the land-based stuff, your knots, your rope rescue stuff. Cause you, you never know when you're gonna, you know, need them. Um, so yeah, that's that. Thank you, Bryce. Freaking ridiculous. That's yeah, awesome. Did you set her uh, up in like a full backboard and then lower her down in the backboard? And yeah. do you guys use a rigid litter or do you have like a pet bag or no? Bag? So we we always with the old uh with the old H3, they used a, a rigid litter. They had this beautiful like titanium basket litter. Um yeah. but with when they transitioned to the super puma couple things they they couldn't use it they couldn't get that into the helicopter without damaging the helicopter and then the other crazy thing is they would never tagline with the h3 and they never had an issue with patients spinning it just it never happened and then also oddly static electricity wasn't an issue with the h3 and then they get this super puma and they were first just testing it and trying to figure it out and they were, you know, going up, and this was just not even using a patient, just using each other, just testing things. And I mean, there was one scene that that looked like that, you know, that that horrible Arizona call that we've all seen yeah. video footage of that, where it was that with with the medic hanging off the side of it, spinning when they were doing their testing, and they figured out that oh, we have to tagline everything. Um, I don't know what it was about the H3 that didn't, didn't cause that. And then the other issue was, so I, I worked just a few shifts with the H3 before we transitioned over and we never used like a static dissipator. You would just hit the hook once and you'd be fine. Well, the first time I hit the hook on that Puma, you get lit up. Uh, yeah. It's like, what, what is this? And it was <laughs> 
And we didn't even know what static dissipators were. And I'm talking about guys that had been in the helicopter rescue business for 10, 15 years. Um, but Discharge cable, 10 feet, all learn. rubber, minus the, to the hook that go, or the spot that goes to the hook, and the yep. last like foot or so, which is exposed, touches learn, the ground. Learned very, very quick. And even with that, there was times where is like you could be yeah. if you were on a wall and that dissipator would be bouncing you would be getting you know zapped yeah. a little bit ooh, ha, 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 yeah. ha, ha. i love it hit me again <laughs> yeah but there were there were oh several times gosh. where uh you know we had to go to a land-based situation there was um gosh tragic call where a cessna burned into the side of what's called brown mountain on the front range and because of the the weather conditions we couldn't get to the helicopter we couldn't get to the the crash site all day and finally the clouds lifted enough to get there i was there with a partner uh tom mayberry and i had transitioned at that point to a bump helmet with the hearing protection in integrated radio ics which fantastic tool because prior to that what we used when i first got there was flight helmets which are great if you're in a helicopter crash, but when you're on the side of a mountain trying to assess a patient with a flight mm -hmm. helmet on, it, it's impossible. So the flight yeah. helmet would come off, you'd hook it and you would deal with your patient. So the bump helmet, yeah. fantastic tool for, for the kind of stuff we do. Um, oh, I'm all now, about it. Uh, it's just was, for the record, like I am totally with you. I love my flight helmet being in the air, yep. being on the ground or even on the hook. So I specifically use a Team Wendy helmet. I absolutely love it. The the cups they pop in, they pull out, and yep. you know I also have a, a headset underneath. But it's it's way better than. Yeah. And, no, and the I other mean, thing about it is when you get the dirt and debris that gets into your visor and all into the parts, then you got to take the whole helmet apart and clean it out. The yeah. your bump helmet is the way to go. Yeah. When love I it. when I crew when I crew chief, I would I would always use my flight helmet. With the whole mandible shield, it was just, in my opinion, the best tool for that job. But as a medic, the bump helmet was great. So we get lowered down to the crash site, and um, the the pilot had been ejected. I mean, hit nose first, ejected, and it was it was really steep. We were tied off. Um, it was really hairy. We got him to a ledge. And, at, and this is one of those things where, you know, with a, a body, you have, to, you have to contact the coroner and the coroner being the coroner will sometimes be like, well, you know, we want to come out to the scene. And that's when you'd be like, you'd be cruciating. You'd be like, yeah, let me explain to you what this scene is. You would explain it. And they're like, yeah, just document it with some some pictures and video, please. Like, no problem. Gotcha. So we, <laughs> yeah, we document what we can. Um, we get the the decedent packaged up and when the helicopter comes in to get us out of there you know the the clouds have been slowly coming down and helicopter came in i remember looking at dave carver who's crew chiefing on this one and you could see the the clouds just being pulled down through the main rotor because they are like right at the bottom of the cloud and then helicopter starts to disappear and you just see it just fly off down the canyon. Um, we're losing light and the clouds are getting lower. They get us on the radio and they just say, hey, there's no way we can get to you. Um, so we have our rope bag and we start figuring out anchors. We made the decision, the patient was packaged up to leave the patient. Well, not patient, he was like you just said, he was decedent. Um, and, and Tom and I rappelled about 400 feet in total and probably about Holy six different rappels. Just, you know, figuring out, making up anchors, figuring it out. And the funny thing was, uh, Tom was newer at this point and then he turned out to be like, so at the detail, guys, just it's human nature. You have a tendency to gravitate toward different disciplines. Like for me, it was, the diving a little more. Tom, it was the rope stuff. And like now he's a trad lead climber, total, total rope stud. 
at this point, he was newer. Me being a senior guy, I was figuring out the anchors. And then I would, we had two ropes. I would rappel down. And as he was rappelling, I would run to the next position to try to rappel down. And the funny thing was, is poor Tom had a, a flight helmet on. And I'm worried about him. And I keep yelling, you know, hey, Tom, are you okay? Tom, are you okay? And he can't hear a gosh dang, you know, thing with that flight helmet. And he was getting so pissed at me. I remember at one point he finally goes, yes, I'm fine. Long, but long story short, and I know you don't like long story short. No, man, make it long story we, long. This is what I'm here for. We rappelled down, you know, about 400 feet. Helicopter slid in, got us out of there so we didn't have to spend the night on the mountain, which has happened before, um, and then ended up recovering the decedent the, the next day. Um, but yeah, so it's just uh, the beauty of the job is you, you have an opportunity to use all these disciplines that we, we train in. Um, and the downside, if there is one for me personally, has always been you know, when I meet somebody, I'm at a party and they say, you know, what do you do? And it's just, it's primarily, uh, depending on where I am, what I'm doing, either deputy sheriff or paramedic. And then it's a situation where you're really going to have a conversation with someone. It's almost hard to explain the job now as of 14 days ago that I did I mean, at a certain point, it just sounds like bullshit, you know, because yeah. you're, oh, I'm flying a helicopter, but I'm attached to the SWAT team, and I dive, and I do this deep diving stuff, and we do rope rescue, and it's just, uh, but uh, like I inferred before, I mean, what a, what a gift to be able to do it, and, and very hard to give up, you know, with, with my retirement, 33 years, it was time, um, and my wife, we've been married almost 20 years, so she's never known me without the SWAT pager or without, you know, going in on days off, without, you know, she knew with the ESD side, when my phone started blowing up on a weekend when we were somewhere, it, it usually meant, I mean, nine out of 10 times, it was some kind of dive operation that I was going to be involved in, you know, the next day. Um, Wow. So, yeah, to kind of put a period on it, I guess. Yeah. Hey, question. You actually yeah. had a, uh, there was a picture you sent with a guy kind of all, I'm going to call him dirty. And I think you were in a, in your helmet and, and it was like a thumbs up or high five. Yeah. Yeah. That, that one. Was, like that a, was, the horns. Yeah. Was that, that was, is it? What was that, that? Was Stoner, that was Stoner Dave. That was Stoner Dave. Dave. Stoner Dave. <laughs> The um, fact that you remember that that oh, that phrase with him is awesome. Oh, I, I love the fact that uh, that was a selfie I took right after we rescued him, and I mean that picture made it on the news, which just delighted me to no end. Um, not a tremendous tricky call, but it, it, a good one. Um, he was kind of on the front range, but he was hiking. He got lost. Uh, the particular time of year, it's the time of year where the clouds like to sit right on top of the mountains. So it was a situation where he was basically in a cloud, lost direction, phone goes dead. Um, and us in conjunction with uh, all the search and rescue ground teams that I, I mentioned, those guys before, who quite frankly are the, the real heroes, um, start searching for him. We know he has limited food, um, limited water. His people did say that he did like to smoke weed. So we were pretty sure he was gonna have a lighter with him, which, which probably ultimately served him well. Um, a lot of times on these big searches, we'll get different county search and rescues from, from surrounding counties and with the aircraft, the, the land-based search and rescue guys do a really good job of, you know, charting and figuring out which areas have been searched. And we'll, we'll spend a lot of time inserting teams. They'll search areas. We'll pull them out. Um, and then we, we also kind of stay in the area support for them. 
uh, particularly like on this one, because I mean, it's, it was a treacherous area where this guy was, but he was missing for five days. And, and honestly, with all the canyons and wet and dry waterfalls in that area, by day five, and we had, I think we started the search, we had our days off, and when we came back on, we were still searching for him. It was, it was pivoting to that, you know, there's a, there's a psychological point of this search where you start, I think it's human nature, you start thinking from rescue to recovery, you know, and honestly, five days, particularly based on, it was so treacherous where he was, um, I was really thinking, you know, you're, you're looking for a body at the bottom of waterfalls, you're, you know, and, and we had these two canyons to search, um, our one, <laughs> the, the PIC, his name is Rich Thompson, just ice water in his veins. We're, we're going up this canyon fairly low and we're searching. And he's just on the ICS goes, hey, there's a guy with a backpack and he's he's waving at us. And, and we are in the, make no mistake, there's no trails, there's no roads, there's nothing near us. We are in the middle of San Gabriel Mountains. And it was like, holy ass, like the, that has to be him. And um, go down. I was crew chiefing. Um, guy named Shane Secord, great medic, goes down, confirms that it's him. And I mean, he's, other than being dirty and hungry, he's, he's fine. Um, it, I mean, it was just, it was completely remarkable. And we land and he tells us that he ran out of food day one and he ran out of weed that morning. So I think that's when things got critical for him. And hey, man, like I'm, I'm not judging. You know, it, it's it's legal nope. in California. Uh, he he was just awesome, and I I took that selfie with him, and I've I've seen that picture uh, pop up in in a few places, and it's uh, <laughs> it, it was that uh, I don't know. There's just times where again, it's it's so selfishly satisfying, but. Yeah. Finding someone after five days when you were really thinking, ooh, there's a there's a good chance this guy's gonna be dead, you know, if we find him at all. Um that that feels, you know, pretty good. Pretty good. So yeah, stoner. Love stoner I love the picture too. It's freaking hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a few <clears throat> I have a few pictures like that. That was always for whatever reason, that's always kind of my thing. Yeah. Um the horns, yeah, yeah. There was a there was a girl. Oh gosh, off so Highway Thirty Nine. She was kind of a cliffhanger. Um, not a crazy call. The people she was with, they were able to down climb. She was on like a little, a little shelf, and and I was a rear medic, so I went down to get her in the horse collar, and I'm straddling her. She was like nineteen or twenty, and, and terrified, just screaming for me you know not to drop her not to drop her and i remember almost kind of being a little firm and just telling her like hey i'm i'm not going to drop you and got the horse collar on her up to the helicopter get her in the bird doors are closed she's secure and um and she i mean she just looked just still terrified and she had her phone and i I grabbed her phone, I told her to unlock it, and I hit the little selfie button, and I take a picture with her and I hand it to her, and she kind of she kind of gave a little giggle, you know, and, and it was it was really cool. And then, you know it was uh, one of those giggles like, I just got saved, but I'm still traumatized. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it, it was funny. And um and I mean she's completely uninjured. We we go to the LZ. And there's uh, one of the deputies with the mountain car they're waiting for. Her. And I drop her off and I kind of get her to the quiet environment and I make sure she's fine. I mean, completely uninjured. And and I'll, I'll never forget 
she she looked at me and she said because i was getting ready to walk back to the helicopter and she says what's your name and i'm like oh my my name is bryce and she jumped up quinny and she gave me a hug and i've described it before as like the kind of hug i would get from my daughter when she was 10. you know just a just a big hug and um and again you know one of those one of those selfish moments and apparently she got my work email from that deputy and she she sent me a little note and that picture that selfie that we took you know thanking uh, me and the team and it was it was super nice it was uh oh yeah it's great selfishly selfishly satisfying um we're gonna divert real quick to thank our sponsors breeze eastern the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider yeah and that's and i mean all i already missed that i uh it was a hard decision for me personally to to retire i mean i i just i had the time on and it, it's time um but it's it's i loved it so much but you know it's it's just it's it's time um and, and i really have to thank you for this opportunity to revisit all these stories because i don't you know, I don't wax on about this stuff at parties or, you know, uh, so it, it's, so thank you, actually, thank you. Hi, it's, uh, Bryce, like it's I said my before, pleasure, man. Very, very therapeutic. Buddy, I'm just a host, that's it. It's your uh, story, this, this is your podcast. I just, I'm just along for the ride. And I'm, it's freaking I'm really, awesome. I'm really happy to talk about ESD and just let people know about the detail. And I, I hope they look it up online and, and check it out because um the guys and girls that do do really really solid work um but yeah make no mistake it is it is such a gift to be able to do that job it is uh such a gift awesome you know i yeah. i love what you guys do down there and it's it's actually for me i i like i said i had no idea how much you guys actually do this is so this is very enlightening for me too. And I'm hoping that maybe we can keep in touch and I can get down there and you guys show me the ropes a little bit. Well, now oh, yeah. you're retired, I got to call somebody else, but I mean, geez. Uh, I, I still I still got my <laughs> finger in the mix. And I, oh, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, Are you going to no, be that guys. guy, Bryce? Are you going to be that yeah. guy? Like, No. <laughs> no, man, no. Make make no mistake. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's cool. It's no, cool. It, it's, it's, it, it, it's funny you say that because we – we would very jokingly and kindly, I'm trying to word this, uh, joke about some of the old retired guys. But I mean, there there are literally a number of uh, older medics who their their wish was to have their ashes spread up in the mountains at Barley Flats. Um, oh wow! You know, it's it it has that kind of impact, and I I, I ultimately I can understand it, and maybe I'm starting to understand it more now that you know it's in my rear view mirror um and then the one thing i didn't hit on is barley flats our rescue base is it, it's this amazing beautiful little spot in the mountains people really can't get up there it's a decommissioned nike missile base from the 50s oh, oh wow cool um okay which is because there's a bunch of them in southern california from the cold war and it, it's just truly a beautiful spot so i mean and it, it sits, I think, about 5,200 feet um, up in the pine forests. And so, you know, in between calls, you could literally be sitting outside, you know, watching the deer and fox and whatever animals. And, um, you know, I, I grew up an outdoor guy actually hiking and camping and doing a lot of stuff in those mountains as a kid. So it was really, uh, really full circle for me. Um, but yeah, such a such a tremendous gift to be able to do that job. So cool, so cool, man! I can't get enough of this. I I, I say it all the time, but I literally cannot get enough of this. I absolutely love it. Uh, there is one more story that I really want to talk about, and I've been waiting to hold this one for last. The biggest reason behind it, first of all, you sent me a video of you saving a lady um, who was on the cliff. So it was a, a kind of a cliff rescue and the video itself is just incredible. Uh, 
you actually see her you're going to go into all this but when you guys go on for everybody that's listening go on instagram youtube it'll be there but you this lady is sliding down and you literally catch her and yeah. bring her to safety physical grip um it's amazing so we're going to get into that but first she wrote you a letter and i get to read the letter and i i say this more often than not we don't do it for the awards we don't do it for the out of boys. I don't do it for the news articles or the, the magazine articles. That's not what I do this for. This right here, this means everything and goes beyond any award that I ever could have received. It's that thank you from the people you saved. So let me get into this because uh, it's just incredible to me. It says this, dear Bryce, I've struggled to find the right words to thank you grandly enough to be commensurate with your wonderful gift to me. I have difficulty expressing my thoughts and feelings in writing. However, I truly want you to know how very much and deeply I appreciate you having saved my life in such tremendous grace. In just a few minutes on the edge of the mountain, I came to have an amazing respect for the man you are, the skills you have perfected, the career choice you have made, and the generosity with which you live your life. In this letter, my husband cites John McPhee's description of our mountains as the fastest decomposing range in the world. I will quote John Murr, who described our local mountain range as Mother Nature at her most rugged, thornily savage. It is clear to me that as you and I were tumbled around by the tumult of the wind, rock storm created by the helicopter turbulence, we both experienced a bit of the mountain's savage quality. I hope that any injuries you may have incurred that day have been healed. Your great aptitude as well as your ability to dedicate yourself, sharpening your skills, opened a wide range of career possibilities in which you would be highly successful. I am so happy that you chose to rescue people like me from a helicopter and that you were on duty when my harrowing experience took place. When the helicopter was overhead, I hugged the cliff, focusing on my breathing and staying calm and as weightless as I could be so that I could remain still. Then, for an instant, despite the deafening noise of the helicopter and the assault from the rock storm, I thought I could feel the presence. But then the feeling was gone. While I knew the rescue team must be figuring out what to do, I could not be certain that anyone was nearby on the ground. I had not seen nor heard anyone. Then when I suddenly found myself being transported down a conveyor belt of scree with ever greater speed, knowing I was rapidly approaching a sharp drop off, I simply thought I was passing. I accepted my fate. I had no strength, no resistance left in me. I could scarcely hope, much less trust, that anyone would be able to arrest my fall. I thought it was over. To suddenly be secured, surrounded by your arms, brought me such overwhelming comfort and relief. And you continued to give me a sense of comfortable security throughout the rescue, even though you had a hold on me as well as the unattached harness that you would hope to use to support my weight. In addition, the helicopter team enabled us to navigate a nearly vertical wall of rock without too many close encounters with the rocks. Your team's rescue of me was truly amazing. Before we parted that day, you referred to my rescue as your closest call. My husband, however, prefers to say it was your greatest. And I think it was perfect. Never will I be able to express the full extent of my gratitude. I have thanked you more times than I can count. Each and every day since January 25th, I am not even close to beginning finishing thanking you. I will do my best to repay your wondrous gift by helping others whenever an opportunity arises with the greatest affection. Bryce, this is, this is why I love what we do. This letter, this letter is just, it's, 
it's amazing. It's so it's so well written, well written, and yeah, I I would I would argue she has no problem putting things into words. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a prized possession. And when I met her, she was so terribly private. I I never thought I would hear from her again. And then this this showed up um, at my work a few months later. So. Um, yeah, and her name and everything is, is redacted because, like I said, uh, she and her husband just beautiful people, very private, and um, and I absolutely you know respect that. Well, you got to bring us back to the beginning, my friend. You're called out for what? Uh, called out for an unknown injury in an area called Eaton Canyon, which I talked about earlier. That was where I had that first cliffhanger call. Um, we get overhead. We don't have much patient info. It's, it's not a tough trail, but it's just a long winding trail up the canyon that involves a lot of water crossing. So even if we get, you know, an isolated ankle or something, we'll usually pull them out because it takes, you know, at least four guys with the, the single wheelbarrow burrow thing that they use and we'll, we'll just pull them out. So we get over, overhead, Eaton Canyon. I go down. Um, it's an isolated ankle injury and treat the patient. And while I'm treating the patient, the crew chief, Joe Palomino, who have I, I've talked about earlier, gets on the radio and goes, Hey, we have another patient and I'm going to lower Steve down, who was my, the, the other medic. And he's probably, I don't know, maybe a quarter mile down the trail. And there was another patient. Um, so I come up with my patient. BLS, nothing call. There's a park we usually drop them off at. Um, but it's just much safer than them trying to get them out of the camp. So when I get up in the helicopter, Joe's like, hey, uh, a call for a cliffhanger came out. And I told them we're busy. And I told them to get another air unit on. So they had the what we would call the East End, LA County bird, um, rolling to that. <clears throat> In the interim, Joe hoisted Steve and his patient. So now we have two patients in the helicopter and we're flying out of the canyon. The, the helicopter, the other helicopter still has like a 14 minute ETA. So Joe made the decision, he goes, hey, let's, the cliffhanger call, it was a 911 call, which got pushed to search and rescue. And there was a search and rescue team um, who notified us by, radio is how it happened and okay. joe being, being the crew chief said hey let's let's just check out rubio canyon right next door we'll put eyes on her and we'll be able to tell the helicopter crew where she is because like i told you before there's cliffhangers and then there's cliffhangers and if we turn the corner and there's you know someone on a plateau we just be able to give a, a lat long for the helicopter to crew to, to pick her up or pick them up whatever well, we turn the corner, we're going down the canyon, and I look and I see this woman. Um, she's about 60, 70 feet below the trail. It's fairly steep where she is. And then about 10, 15 below her, it goes vertical to 100, 150 foot drop down to the canyon. And she is hanging on the bushes. And I mean, it looked like, uh, you know, I'm not making light of it, but it looked like a Wiley Coyote cartoon. It was a, cliffhanger so joe looked at me i looked at joe we didn't even say anything we just knew based on her where she was and if she fell what was going to happen to her there was no anchors or any ability to do any kind of land-based thing and i think we just made that mutual simultaneous simultaneous decision of Let's go in and, and get her as quick as we can. So I just get on the edge. I grab the horse collar. There's some, this is on what we call the front range. So there's some major wires right above us, uh, worst position possible. Um, the pilot, Scotty Helbing and Todd Casisco, I, I mean, two of our best. Um, yeah, I mean, I could, I, could, I could wax on about, I call them my pilots. Uh, 
but the our pilots, I can wax on about them, how good they are, and the stuff they do in the canyons with that big bird. Um, I mean, I can't give them enough credit. And when we have other people, whether it's you know the PJs or SEALs, they always comment like how rock solid our pilots are. That's always nice to hear. Um, so we went in under the wires. So it's a, a much shorter hoist than it would normally be. Um, I knew just from working with Joe so long that he was going to get me below her, bring me up to her, get that harness around her. Um, I'm bouncing around a little bit. I get right below her to the point where one side of that that strop is unhooked because I'm going to get it around her and hook it. And the next thing I know, she's just falling towards me. Um, and instinctively, and I mean, I was in the perfect position to do this. Um, I've been blessed with oddly long arms and long legs. Um, and I just grabbed her, got my legs around her. Um, no, no harness on her or anything. And I have my, my heels are hooked. And then Joe uh, brings me, starts bringing me up. And I, I can't get to my radio to transmit anything to him. And my initial fear is that I was afraid he didn't realize she wasn't secured with any kind of harness and he was going to try to bring us up to the helicopter. Um, so as we're coming up, we come up above the trail. I motioned to put me down on the trail, which he was already going to do because he was, after the fact, we talked about it and he was, he was well aware of what was going on. Um, and he ends up sitting me down, no exaggeration, three feet next to her husband, who's on the trail. She's still in my lap. I unhook the hook, bird flies off. And I think the first thing I said was, well, let's not do that again. <laughs> and, uh, oh my gosh. So I, I stand up, I start doing an assessment on her. Um, she doesn't want anything to do with that. So we, we walk on a part of the trail and, and just to be clear, she was, and if you watch, if you find the news story on YouTube, I, I talked about this when I got interviewed later, she wasn't on a closed trail. She wasn't doing anything wrong. It was just a narrow part of the trail where there was a washout, um, 71 years old. Um, tough in great shape um, but she didn't want like I really wanted to send my pack down send the screamer suit down get her checked out she wanted nothing to do with that and she wouldn't have it um, so we walk down the trail we're standing on this little this old uh, cement water tank and I mean, I checked her out and she really, other than some scrapes, she was okay. And she just wanted to walk out the trail on her own power. Um, like I said, absolutely refused any medical treatment, which is, is her right. And she was alert and oriented. You know, I can't kidnap someone. Um, she gave me a big hug and um, called the guys in. They had dropped off the two patients at this point. They pick me up and, uh, you know, we're all in back of the helicopter, all a little bit in disbelief. You know, we, we had always talked about if that could be done, if you could just hold on to a patient. I remember doing some, some things with some swift water training and we tried to do it with each other, you know, over water. And, and we'd always talked about it. Obviously, really bad idea, not something you want to do. Um, but it it just happened. And then the ironic thing was there was a Channel 11 news copter right above us, which I didn't know um, until that guy sent the footage to one of our pilots who they knew each other. And that pilot, when we got back up to Barley Flats or Rescue Base, that, that, was, that was when I first saw the actual footage of it. Um, and I've seen it several times since. And it was just uh, it was just a perfect storm. I mean, it was it was lucky, but the skill of the pilots, you know, getting under the wires and getting in there quick, 
Joe skill on the hook, I'd say probably our best crew chief um, to get me where I needed to be so quickly. And then the luck of me being able to, to hang on to her. I mean, it was a, you know, knock on wood, that was a once of a lifetime uh, kind of incident. Um, and then that night, our Sheriff's Information Bureau got in touch with me and Channel 11 wanted to come and interview me. And, and, and you know, we do a lot of that. Um, we've had a lot of calls that have made the news. And I always think it's good exposure for the program. And I like the people of LA County to know, you know, what we're doing for them and, and what we do. Um, yeah. So that was on the news at 10 o'clock. The next morning, I was actually working another shift with that medic and the crew chief. And we're, we're still talking about the day before. I mean, we were still in disbelief and thinking, man, if things got wrong, we'd be, we'd be having such a different conversation right now. Oh, yeah. And my, gosh, he's a chief now. I think he was a commander at the time, called me. And um, he's kind of the guy that does does all our uh, social media stuff, which is hilarious because he's like 64 and he's, you know, tracking likes and stuff on Instagram. Um, S-E-B-L-A-S-D on Instagram if anyone wants to wants to check it out. Nice, uh, nice. And he's like, hey, you know, make sure your, your class A's are good to go because this was a Sunday. Uh, we got, you know, good morning America tomorrow and this and this. And it was going to turn into this whole junket. And maybe... I don't know, a half hour later, my partner's wife calls him and says something about a helicopter crash in our area. And it was it was Kobe Bryant. So that was the what 26th of January. Yeah. Um, so yeah, our, our little news story, you know, got buried with with that tragedy. Um, oh wow. But um yeah, no no medals, no nothing, but that that letter. Uh, one of my absolute prized possessions. I mean, it, 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 it really is. And I even, I called those people the next day um, in the husband's name. I won't use it, but I talked to him. I just said, Hey, this is Bryce Stella. You know, I met you on the trail yesterday. And I met I said, you I, on the trail. Yeah. <laughs> Bryce, that's said, awesome. I, Classic. I, I don't know if, you know or not, but there was a news copter above us, and and he just said, "Yes, we're we're very aware. She's not too happy. You know, one of the neighbors told us, and she saw it. Um, and I and I just explained to him that, you know, his privacy would be respected. And because we, even after the fact, I did get some calls where people wanted to do, you know, in depth stories on it, and they wanted to, you know, get." get her view of the story. And I just simply said, no, you know, there's not interested, no can do. But um, yeah, that was a, that was a defining moment. And I mean, me, me being on the hook just happened to be where I was that day. And I mean, it, it wouldn't have happened without Scotty Helding and Todd and, and Joe. And I mean, it was, uh, and this decision to do it when we did it, um, but yeah, I don't, I certainly don't recommend it. Um, yeah, I think had I time to think about it, I would have been terrified. Physical grip is no joke. Yeah, wow. yeah. Freaking badass, Bryce. Dude, that is sick. Can I say nice catch? Is that, is that okay? Yeah, it's, it's fine. Nice. It's, it's, <laughs> it's funny because I have, uh, we work very closely with our, our ground-based search and rescue guys are almost all reserve deputies, all volunteer, um, salty, they're hardworking, you know, on the pager 24 seven. And those are the guys that are, you know, ground pounding. And, and so we have a very good relationship with them. And, and this one particular gentleman on the Montrose team is Mike Liam. He's, he calls that the, uh, the immaculate reception. Um, and I'll take it. I, it was, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a moment, and and so much of what we do. I mean, none of none of the good stuff ever ends up on camera. You know, all no. the all the GoPro footage is usually the mediocre calls because the real calls you're never thinking, oh hey, let's get this on camera. You know, you're just thinking it's time to go to work. Um, so to, to have that film was was pretty cool. 
So cool. So cool, man. So so this was literally my last rescue on Air 5. Um, I was working with a newer guy, Rob Springer, a guy that I helped train. He was at that point where he was going to start, you know, being the primary medic on calls. So he had done his paramedic thing, did the thing on the helicopter. Um, we get a call, Mount Baldy Road, uh, possible jumper. Um, beyond that, no information. We get overhead. There's a huge turnout. There's a couple civilian vehicles, about 10 fire vehicles. And we see about 100, 150 feet down, there's some people and there's a couple uh, Forest Service guys that had down climbed to the people. Um, again, no idea what happened. So the decision is made to send Rob down as the primary medic, um, capable guy, and it was just, you know, his time. And he goes down, gets on the radio, tells us what's up, um, ties off the woman. I guess it was pretty precarious where they were. He formulates the whole plan, gives us the whole evolution. And basically, I'm going to go down, um, bring a screamer suit, which actually, no, he, he brought a couple down with him. So he got them in screamers. Um, I went down and I picked up the first patient completely uninjured, a guy in his pajamas and it, it was the weirdest. Yeah, I know. Cause, cause why not? Cause um, why not? Cause you can't make this stuff up. That's why not. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so I get the, I put this guy in ICS and I'm asking him like, what's going on? And he's kind of crying and. I'm like, is that your wife, your girlfriend? He goes, is my wife? And I go, did she jump? And he said, yes. So I don't know what happened, but it was some kind of vehicle pursuit where he's chasing his wife. She hit the turnout and she ran and she took a dive off this you know, pretty steep cliff um, and she bounced down. So she was injured more, um, kind of in and out of consciousness. And Rob made the decision, got a collar on her, put her in the screamer, got her up, um, went through all his interventions. It was a short ride to the hospital. He did a great job. We, we take him to Pomona Valley Hospital, get into the trauma center. Uh, he gives report, and it was just, you know, one of those things where he gave, it just hit everything perfectly. And I'm just sitting back watching. And I'm just like, yeah, that's, and he steps away and then I'm watching him and I see him kind of take a couple breaths, like things are just coming to him. And then he looks at me and I just kind of gave him a nod and he nodded at me and I walked up and I just said, you know, pardon my French, but I just said, best fucking job in the world. And he's like, yeah. Yeah. And um, guys, I love it so yeah, much. And, and, and it was like uh, that was that was the last time that I hoisted out of Air Five and was involved in a rescue and kind of you know passed the torch on and and it's in good hands. You know that's that's the easy part about retirement. It's in good hands. Freaking awesome. Uh, Bryce, I've had you on here for a long time and yep. I really, really appreciate everything. Problem. But I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up a little bit. And, yep. and what I'm gonna do is 100%. I'd like to ask you, well, I want to ask you one more question before we're done. And that is you did this for 33 years, 12 years specifically as a medic on rescue five. Yeah. Advice that you would pass on to those that are following up behind you, doing the job now, or me. Hey, I'll take it too. So I, I literally did a little kind of a farewell post to, you know, people that have been following my career on Facebook and Instagram and stuff. And I, I told a little story that I think can illustrate this and would be my best advice. And that would be in about 2000, I used to do a lot of triathlons and I did the escape from Alcatraz triathlon. You got to swim basically from the island or a boat next to the island to the mainland. 
And at the time there was a pro, his name was Chris McCormick. He was a big deal back then. Um, Ironman champion, all this. Um, Australian guy. And the day before the race, they have kind of a festival and he's on the stage just talking about the race. And he said, like, hey, if you're not gonna win this thing, do yourself a favor in the middle of the swim, just stop and do a quick 360 and look around and then continue on with your race. Cause you're gonna see something from somewhere that very few people get to see. And I took that to heart. I remember doing it. And I remember seeing the Golden Gate Bridge, Alcatraz, Treasure Island, the San Francisco skyline. And I mean, it was, it was spectacular. And a little bit later in life, I kind of adopted that as a little bit of a philosophy and being very simply when you're having, you know, one of those moments, when you're in one of those places, doing one of those things, seeing one of those things, take that second, you know, do that 360, take it in because you might never be back there again. You might be seeing something that very few people get to see. So if I could give any advice, you know, other than just do everything you can to be as safe as you can and keep your partner safe. Because I mean, ultimately that's what it's about. But the other thing is take that minute to do that 360 and enjoy those things you get to see that very few people can. Nice. I love it. I absolutely love it. I cannot thank you enough for coming on, dropping some amazing stories, hitting us with mind. awesome advice. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's 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 really been an honor, and I mean, I'm I'm humbled at looking at some of the heavy hitters you've had on this this podcast. It, it's uh, and and I am so far from special, but I do recognize that man, I I did get to do something special with a lot of special people. So you have some amazing rescues. Don't don't let. Come on, man. There's some cool stuff, man, that you have done, and I. Look at I'm I'm not I don't want to take away anything from anybody, but you've done some cool stuff. You saved the lady from falling hundreds of feet in midair as she's sliding past you. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Got lucky on that one. Yeah. I'll Come on, that's pretty badass, dude. Bryce, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing these stories with us. I, I can't thank you enough. Uh when I get down to LA, I'm I'm gonna give you a call. We gotta go out. Please do. I'd love to meet up. HAI yeah. is going to be out there this upcoming year in 2024. So if, if anything, we'll meet up there and, and we'll just- Hey, if anything, out. I mean, anytime you're down toward Orange County, as soon okay. as this little house renovation thing, you always got a place to stay. Um, Thank you. 100%. Sweet, sweet. Well, I'll call you and, and we'll go out for a beer. And if we do it really right, I'll get down and we'll go check out the unit. So I'm that all about be, that too. That would be, yeah, that would be something to see because it's- uh, like I said, I was so lucky to be able to do it, so lucky to be able to work there. Um, and it, it's really a, a group of special people doing a doing a special thing. So, Bryce, it's been a blast. I'll see you when I get down there. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Go. Now, it's time for me to pull chocks and take off. But before I go, I'm always looking for the memorable rescues that people have done. If you have one that you're willing to share or know somebody who has a story, please feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to highlight it here at The Real Rescue. For everybody that is standing by for that SAR alarm, remember, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. So until next time, fly safe and swim hard. Thank you for joining me today here at The Real Rescue Podcast powered by Vertical Helicast. We'd also like to say thank you to our sponsors for this episode, Breeze Eastern. They dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com.
A. Rule number three. A clean plane is a happy plane. Now, you might not have a plane or helicopter that you're operating out of, but this rule can still apply to you. In your car, your boat, your ambulance, your fire truck, whatever it is that you're operating out of, put pride into it. Get on the inside, vacuum it out, wipe it down, make it smell and look amazing. Then get on the outside, wash it, wax it. Then you can step back and feel proud and say, man, I make that look good.